don't want to have a place where people come um, and they look good on the outside, but their lives are all messed up. Uh, and Pastor Sean talked about that. We don't want to have a place where people want to come and they want to pretend. You know, church is supposed to be for people who don't have it all together. Church is supposed to be a place where, where people come and they bring with them every issue that they have. Amen? Because, I mean, you know, it doesn't do you any good to leave your issues at home, to come up here and act like everything is fine, then go home and still have your issues. Amen? In fact, well, I want you to understand that, that one of the things we believe is that the Word of God has an answer for every one of your problems. That the Word of God has an answer for every one of your problems. So if you've got friends and you've got family and they're talking to you about the issues that they're going through, and, and, and they're not feeling like they're being fed at the place where they worship, I'm encouraging you to be bold enough to invite them to come here with you. Amen? Because if your life is being impacted, and if your life is being changed by what's happening here, I believe you ought to bring somebody with you. Amen? And how many of you, how many of you can say that your life is being impacted? That you're being challenged in some areas. Amen? That you're, you're thinking about things differently. Uh, we don't claim to be perfect. We don't claim to have the answers. And, and, and we tell people, we, you know, in the body of Christ, you get into this whole thing of pastor worship, uh, where people have started to really worship their pastors uh, and to look at their pastors as almost God. We don't want to be your God. Amen. We want you to learn to hear God for yourself. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor it's, important it's important that you come, that you, come you, hear the word, you hear the word, but you learn, but you learn to, hear God to hear God for yourself. Amen. 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 That's that's vitally important. And so many churches don't tell people that they don't tell people that you as an individual are supposed to hear God talk to you about the things in your life and give you direction. Yes, you can go to your pastors for guidance, but you are an individual who has the ability to let the Holy Spirit reside in you and you can hear what God has to say to Amen. And so part of our vision is to make disciples. We want to make sure that people grow up in the word of God. In order to do that, we have to share the word of God with you. Amen. And so sometimes we'll come and, you know, we were laughing because last week the snow was coming and I was trying to get you out before the snow. And so I was going really, really fast. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there is no snow. Amen. 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 There is no snow. Amen. <laughs> now, I'm not going to keep you all day, but I do want to. To, to take a moment, and we're going to get into this faith teaching. This is part three of the key to victorious living, okay? And how many of you know that faith is something that you must have in order to live a life that is successful in the kingdom of God? Well, again, let's go uh, to the word of God. Let's go to Galatians chapter three. Uh, we'll start there, Galatians chapter three. Now, I'm going to, some of this is review, and so I'll go a little faster until we get uh, to the end where I want to give you the, the five um, uh, things, the five, five practical things you can do to walk out your faith every day. And here's why this is important. You can come to church and you can hear about faith. You can come to church and get all the scriptures about faith. But faith doesn't really benefit you until you are able to walk it out. Okay? It's like you can go get a gym membership. You can get the platinum package. Okay? You can go get the trainer. You can get all the, all the meal plans. You can get all of that. But if you don't work out, if you don't go to the gym, if you don't eat the food, it doesn't benefit you. Okay? So faith is the same way. You can come here, man. You can be like, man, I know every scripture about faith. I can quote them from Genesis to Revelation. Well, that's great, but it doesn't do you any good until you actually learn to walk it out. And so at the end of the day, I want to give you five things you can use uh, really for the rest of your life that you can practice faith every single day. Amen? 
Now, understand this as we begin today. Your faith has to be tested. Tell your neighbor, say, my faith must be tested. It's almost like a, a blacksmith. A blacksmith has to take his iron and he has to put it in fire. It has to be tried by fire because what the fire does is it makes the minerals in, in the material pliable to be shaped. Your faith, when it is tested, allows for you to shape your character. It allows you to shape who you are. And so if you are a person, as Pastor Sean said earlier, and, and, and you love the Lord and you praise the Lord when everything's going good, you never know who you really are until things aren't going so great. You say, I trust God. Well, it's easy to trust God for your resources when you have all the resources you need. It's easy to say, oh, I, I love everybody until somebody does something that really ticks you off. Amen. And so then at that point, you have to decide where am I going to live on this realm called faith? Because faith is just not about you getting stuff. You know, people think that faith is about uh, God being a genie. In fact, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, say, God is not a genie. He's not a genie. We don't get, we don't get to rub our Bibles and God just pops stuff out to us. You know, that's, I mean, and, and people think, oh, and that's why people get excited about faith, because in their mind, the first thing they think is, oh, what can I get? Faith is really about you being able to uh, establish who you are, your character, your integrity. And so you'll hear me talk a little bit about that today. We said last week that the promises of God can only be accessed, how? By faith, okay? Say this, say, all the promises of God are accessed by faith. Now, why do I have you say that every week? Listen, I want you to write this down, and you need to memorize this like nothing else. Despise not repetitive teaching. If you are a person who thinks that you can hear something a couple of times and then you got it, you fool yourself. The fact of the matter is, if that was the case, they show you a commercial one time. But they understand that in order for it to sink into you, they need to show you that commercial over and over and over and over again. Why do you think they only play about 21 songs on the radio? You listen to a, you, you, you find your radio station and you listen to it for about eight hours. They ain't playing but about 21 songs. They playing the same songs over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they understand that the more you hear it, the more you fall in love with something. So watch this, if I spend time in the Word, guess what'll happen? I'll fall in love with the Word. The reason people pick up their Bible as, as sleep aid is because they've never fallen in love with it. But the reason they'll pick up a Harlequin romance and can't hardly put it down, the re and there's nothing wrong with it if that's what you want to read, but the reason why people say, oh, I, I got 50 shades of gray, I couldn't put it down. Because you was really into it. You fell in love with it. But the Bible has some amazing sex stories in it. Oh, see, see, y'all like, oh my God, Pastor. Oh, you ought to read it. You ought to read some stuff in here. You, if, if you get into your Bible and quit trying to be religious and really read it, it's got some of the most amazing stories about, about everything you could ever imagine. Love and war, sex and peace, in that order. But the problem is just most people don't ever spend enough time reading their word. They don't spend enough time getting into it. But if you read your word, you will fall in love with your word. How many of you know, and, and this is true, watch this. How many of you ever had, and you ain't got to raise your hand, I don't want you to break yourself out. 
But how many of you know that there's been times where there have been people in your life you didn't really like a lot at first, but the more you hung around them, they kind of grew on you? You know, it was like, I don't really like that person. Then you find out, oh, he ain't so bad. Some of y'all ended up dating that person. You hung around so much. You, you hung around so much, you end up dating. Anytime you spend time with something, you will fall in love with it. So if you'll spend time with the word, you'll fall in love with it. It may not be that exciting at first. It may not be the best thing you ever heard at first. But once you start getting into it, I'm telling you, you will fall in love with the word. Amen. So the Bible tells us that all the promises of God are accessed through faith. If you, go, if you stay with us any amount of time, you'll hear me say that a hundred times. You'll hear Pastor John say that a hundred times. I say it to my kids. My kids say, well, I want the new Jordan. Well, you know what? It's accessed through faith, not through me. So you, so you need to, so the same principle applies for me that applies to you. You need to do the process that involves faith in order to get what you need. Amen? And so the, the promises of God are accessed and obtained by faith. I said we we're going to Galatians chapter 3, right? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Let's read this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That word redeemed means to be bought back. To be bought back. So Christ has redeemed us or bought us back from the curse of living under the law. The Bible says being made a curse for us. In other words, he took our place. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death. And so you and I had a penalty of death upon our life. Not even because we did anything wrong, but because we were born into sin. But the Bible says that Jesus came and exchanged places with us. Amen? And I don't know about you, but somebody ought to be happy about that. The Bible says, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, or cursed is every man that is crucified. Jesus was crucified, you weren't. I know you think your problems are bad. I know you think your problems are hard. But watch this, you didn't get crucified. The Bible says that cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise, I love this, of the Spirit through faith. So how do you receive anything from God? Through faith, okay? So last week, we began to talk about what faith is. I don't know if you wrote this down. If you didn't, here's your opportunity. What is faith? Faith is a spiritual principle. It is a spiritual principle made available to mankind. Okay? So this, this, this thing is called faith was made available to us by God. It's a spiritual principle. It allows you and I to tap into the creative power of God. So faith allows you and I to tap into the creative power of God so that we can change any circumstance or situation we find ourselves in in the natural world. That's what faith is. So what is a situation I could find myself in? I could find myself in a situation in the natural world where I am depressed. Amen? How many know depression is real? I can find myself in a natural situation where I am depressed. The word of God says faith has the ability for me to tap into God, creative power, so that I can, get it, I can get from him what's necessary to get me out of my state of depression. In other words, if I am depressed, if I'm suffering from depression, I'm not saying you don't need to see a counselor. I'm not saying that there's not medication for that. What I am telling you is that you have another resource available. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says that you have the ability to get so connected with him that if, if there is no depression in him, then there could be no depression in you. 
The same is true where your finances are concerned. The Bible says that if you are struggling where your money is concerned, you can get so connected to God that just like there's no lack in him, there'll be no lack in you. The Bible says that just like if you're having a problem in your relationships and things are being torn apart in your marriage or in your family, you can get so connected to God that just like there's always restitution in him, there can be restitution in your relationship. And so you have to make the decision, number one, that you believe God enough to trust him. That's what faith is about. You can hear me preach. You can say, yeah, that sounds good, but I just need to keep it real, Pastor. You're going to keep it real, real the way you are. Because what happens when you keep it real is what you're saying is the natural realm is more real to me than what Jesus is. Watch this. There are but two. It's so funny. We talked about this last time. There are but two systems. There are but two worlds. There is a spiritual world. Watch me. There's a spiritual world, and then there is a natural world, okay? The chair you're sitting on is part of the natural world. The Bible says, though, it was made from something you can't see. What does that mean? At some point in the past, somebody had an idea about a chair. And before a chair was ever made, before it was ever constructed, before it was ever designed, it had to come from somewhere from a place you can't see. You couldn't see the idea. The car you drive, it didn't just pop up one day and be a car. The idea came to somebody. And so the Bible tells you and I, don't be fooled by thinking this world we live in is the only world. There is another world. There is a spiritual world, and there is a natural world. And if he says, if you don't understand that, then what you think is the world you live in, you're limited by. Tell your neighbor, say, I am not limited by this natural world. I wish I had three people who believe that. Just three people who really say, you know what, I'm not limited by this natural world. Because if you understand that you're not limited by this natural world, then whatever happens in this natural world doesn't limit you. So, so I may get sick in this natural world, but I'm not limited to sickness because I have something better in another world, in another system that I can tap into. The Bible tells us, and, I, and, and, and here's the struggle for most people. Because I'll say to you, the Bible says that by his stripes we are, okay? And you'll say, yeah, but I know people who are sick. It doesn't make the Bible wrong. It doesn't make, are there sick people? Yes. Have you been sick before? Yes. Have I been sick before? Yes, because sickness is a part of the natural realm. But once it happens, I don't have to be limited to it. Faith says I have the ability to tap into God's creative power so that I can pull from that realm something that allows me to be well in this realm. The problem is, is it's going to be according to your faith. It's going to be according to your faith. The Bible says that when you ask God for something, you have to ask, and I love this, we talked about this two weeks ago. He says, do not doubt where in your, we said that a heart was a part of your soul. We said your soul was your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. And you got to be honest. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I just discovered you have stage four cancer, your imagination runs wild. You start, for a lot of people, they start planning their funeral. They start planning who they're going to give stuff to. They start planning what they're going to do. Why? Because it's part of their soul realm. Instead of their first thought being, I'm, they may diagnose me with stage four. But there's a system I can tap into that can get rid of stage four cancer. Now see, that's, that's hard for people. 
Because, because for most people, they believe stage four cancer is a death sentence. And the fact of the matter, I'm going to challenge you this morning because I ain't going to see you for two weeks, so you can't throw nothing at me. But I'm going to challenge you in this. The problem is, is that if you believe that stage four cancer is a death sentence, then you place cancer higher than you place Jesus. No, 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 pastor. It's, 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 just, it's just a stage four kill people. I also know people being healed from stage four. So the Bible says, be it unto you according to your faith, to your belief. But, but it's, it, be it unto you. Matthew chapter 9. Y'all ain't going to even let me get to my notes. Matthew chapter 9 says it like this. The Bible says there were two blind men. And the two blind men came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, can you heal us? And Jesus asked them a profound question. He said, the question is not, can I heal you? The question is, do you believe I can heal you? And they said to him, yes, Lord, we believe. And Jesus said, then become what you believe. He said, if, if you believe I can heal you, then become the belief system that's in you. Become healed. So if you believe you can be well, if you believe you can get the job, if you believe the marriage can be restored, if you believe the kids can come home, then become what you believe. Because faith challenges us to get outside of the natural realm. How do I know? Hebrews chapter 11. And now I'm back in my notes. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. says, now faith is, what? The substance of things, what? Hoped for. The evidence of what? Things not seen. So faith connects me to something future that I cannot see. So, so, so I, I ask this question all the time, and I don't say it to be facetious. What is this? Do you have to have faith that this is a wall? No. Why? Because you can what? See it. You don't need faith for what you can see. I don't need faith to pay my utility bills. My money in the bank pays my utility bills. I don't need faith for that. I don't need faith to get over the cold that I have because I don't have one. So I don't need faith for that. I need faith for the stuff I can't see. That's what I need. I need faith when I can't see how God... We, in, in, in 1996, 97, and 98, we needed faith. Huh? See, that was a bad husband. We needed faith <laughs> to believe we could be here today. Because 95, 96, 97, I was about to get rid of her. I mean, she was about to get rid of me. <laughs> Say years ago, years ago, years ago. See, watch this. But we had to have faith. When we couldn't see, we couldn't see being happy. We couldn't, we, not, not to each other. Now, we had decided we was going to be happy. <laughs> that was the first decision we made. But then we had to make the decision we were going to be happy together. But watch this. We had to set our expectation on something we couldn't see. We had to make a decision that, look, we, we, we know what divorce looks like. We don't really know what happy marriages look like because my family didn't have bunch, hardly any of them. Her family didn't have hardly any of them. So we didn't know what that looked like, but what we did know is it was possible because the word of God says, whom God put together, let nobody put asunder. So we knew it was possible, but we had to dig into the word of God where our faith was concerned and say, how are we going to do this when we can't even see it? And that's what faith does. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. And the Latin uses this term. It says, 
ad infinium, ad infinitum. It means to hear without ceasing. It means that I got to be hearing the word of God and I got to hear the word of God on Monday. I got to hear it on Tuesday. I got to hear, even when we're fighting, I got to be hearing the word of God. There were times we, y'all ain't going to believe this, but there were times we would be so angry with one another, she would use foul language against me. It's my story today. And watch this. No, you don't. How? <laughs> we putting that way back there. <laughs> Listen, we would, <laughs> we would literally be just going at each other. We would just be going at each other. And then when we finish, we would be so angry, she would say, now you know we need to read our Bibles. <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't want to read no Bible. I don't, want, I don't care nothing about it. I don't want to read no Bible. Why? Because the Bible was going to tell me everything I was doing wrong and show me in a mirror that I was never going to get what I was believing for doing it that way. And that's why a lot of people avoid the word. What they do is they want to live their life and they want to do whatever they want to do. And they really don't want to get into the word because if you get into the word, it will challenge you to do the right thing. It will challenge you. you it's one thing to do the wrong thing when you don't know. It's another thing to do the wrong thing when you know better. It is difficult to do the wrong thing when you know better. And what faith does, the teaching of faith will teach you how to do the right thing even when it doesn't feel right. Amen? The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, even so faith, I love this, we talked about this, if it hath not works, is dead. Your faith must be displayed by works. Amen? What, what, what do I mean by that? I mean that if you say that you have faith, that you're going to get a new job in the next three months, but you spend the next three months praying that you never apply for a job, you ain't gonna have no job. Now, <laughs> now and, people, and people are like, oh, but I've been praying. So they don't just call people out the air and go, hey, this is job. No, you gotta apply. And so you have to do the work. Am I saying prayer doesn't work? Absolutely prayer works. But how much more difficult is it for you to sit at home and pray for three months and to actually apply for a job? I tell people that all the time. They get so spiritual that they're, they're literally no earthly good. It's like, well, I'm just going to pray that God gives me a job. He can do that. God could just speak to an HR director at a company that you've never, ever seen before. They don't have any of your information. They just happen to dial the wrong number and hit you. You happen to be the right person. It could happen. You could also apply for a job. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. You could be believing while you're applying. The Bible says if you don't have any action, your faith is dead being alone. So faith requires action. Tell your neighbor, say faith requires action. You can't have faith you're going to feed the homeless and never go after the field. He's going to walk to your doorstep. You, you, you gotta, if you want to feed the hungry, you got to go where the hungry is. Amen? And so it's extremely important. So James 2.17 says, even so, faith, if it has not words, is dead being alone. And then 1 John 5 and 4. 1 John 5 and 4. 1 John 5 and 4 says this. It says, for, what, for whatsoever is born of God. I love this. For whatsoever is born of God. Anybody in here saved? Anybody in here born again? Anybody proud enough to raise their hand and say they are? All right. Then you are born of God. You have been born again. Okay? So this scripture says, you who have been born again, or you who are born of God, you overcome the world. So when we tell you that you are a world overcomer, I'm not just saying something to you to make you feel good. 
I am telling you who you are based on the word of God. Based on the word of God, if you're born again, the Bible says in James, in, in 1 John 5 and 4, that you are an overcomer. And here's what he says. And this is the victory, okay, that overcomes the world. He says, you are a world overcomer. And here is the victory that overcomes the world. And then he says this, it's your faith. It's your faith. Your faith, your faith makes you an overcomer. Not your race, not your gender, not your education, not your job, not your community you live in, not your status on some, on some board or some organization. That doesn't make you victorious. He says what makes you victorious is that you are born of God and that you use your faith. Tell your neighbor, say you, say you must use your faith. You must use your faith. And you can use your faith for, any, for, 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 for anything that doesn't violate the will of God. When Pastor Sean and I, years ago, first started uh, learning how to exercise our faith, uh, you may think this is funny, but here's what we would do. We would leave the house, and we would say, okay, we're going to go to Walmart. And when we get to Walmart, there's going to be a parking space up front for us. And we slap hands. Amen. We believe. We receive. Now, we drive to Walmart, and sometimes we get there, and there wouldn't be no parking space. We didn't park in the back. We're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Somebody didn't hear what we said. It's a parking space up front for us. By the time we made that turn, somebody was bagging out. We were like, yep, see, our faith is working. You say, now what's the point in that? It was building up our faith. If you can believe God for a parking space, you can believe God to get rid of a headache. If you can believe God to get rid of a headache, you can believe God to pray for somebody else. If you can believe God to pray for somebody else, then you get so bold, you're like, I don't care what they got, I can pray for them. And there becomes a boldness about you. You know, we had a young lady, uh, and, we, and it was funny because we were going through this whole transition of, of, of faith, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was considered wild. But you remember the young lady when Chris, it was a young lady who was sick in the hospital, literally to death. They had said that she was going to die. Chris goes to the hospital, her and some other people. They start singing in the girl's room. I, I ain't talking about like me. I mean, they singing, okay? Nurses looking inside, trying to see what's going on. They're laying hands. They're praying. They're declaring that, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. Listen, that girl is alive today. She is alive. And she every time she gets an opportunity, she tells the testimony how she was laying there unconscious, and she could hear Chris singing, she, singing, and she could hear people praying for her, and she kept hearing the Lord say, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. And I'm telling you, that thing will get so big on the inside of you, you'll become the very thing that you hear God saying to you. That's what your faith is designed to do, man. I'm telling you, your faith is designed to cause you to grow up and to be the thing that God says you are. And so the Bible then says this. The Bible says it is so important, that faith is so important, that you and I who are justified must live by it. In fact, it says it on four different occasions. I want you to just write these down. The first one is Romans 1.17. Just say this out loud. Say, the just shall live by faith. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17. Why am I spending time on this? Because I want to establish for you who you are. It says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Okay? From, here's, how, here's how God's righteousness, his right standing with you, your right standing with him. Here's how he reveals it to you. The Bible says, from faith to faith. It says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And I like to say it like this. You ought to just live by faith. The just ought to live by faith. But you, as the, as the just, you ought to just live by faith. Amen? Galatians 3 and 11 says the same thing. It says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. But it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Now, how many of you know that if you start to be in a class 
when your professor starts to say something, one time, it may be important. Two times, it's probably real important. Three times, it's going to be on the test. Four times, it's going to be on the final. So on four different occasions, we find the word of God saying the just shall live by, it's going to be on the final. When your test comes, it's going to be on the final. It's going to be on your quiz. It's going to be on your midterm. It's going to be on your final. Every exercise of faith you have, you're going to have to learn to live by faith. Why? Because he said it too many times for it not to be important. See your neighbor say, neighbor, don't be slow. Don't be slow. I'm telling you, it's going to show up on the test. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to show up on, don't be slow. If the professor say it four times, it's going to show up again. Don't be slow and just skip over and then you fail a test and go, I don't know why I failed because you didn't read the notes. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now the just shall live by faith. It says, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, any man take back from faith, any man uh, wimp out on living by faith, the Bible says, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So notice, you have to live by faith in order to be pleasing to God. Because what does Hebrews 11 and 6 say? It says, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? Please God. So, so faith is my tool for pleasing the Father. And then the last one, Habakkuk 2 and 4. I said, what book is that? It's in the Old Testament, right before the New Testament. Habakkuk 2 and 4. He says, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. He says, when you begin to live by faith, it makes an adjustment to your soul. Ah, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Faith will make an adjustment to your soul. I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again because this is a teaching ministry. And I told you we don't despise repetitive teaching, right? So your soul consists of what? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. When you walk by faith, faith will make adjustments to all five of those areas. See, when you begin to walk by faith, your will gets adjusted. What you're willing to do changes. Oh, oh. Your, 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 your will will get changed. Your imagination will change. When you begin to walk in faith, what you think is possible totally changes. When we begin to walk in faith where our marriage was concerned, even in 95, 96, 97, we started seeing 2014. We saw ourselves being happy, wanting to spend time with each other, raising our kids, being content if it was just the two of us. We saw ourselves being there even when we weren't there. Why? Because faith made an adjustment in our, in our, in our mind, will, emotions, and our imagination. And so when you begin to understand what faith does, the things that cause you to respond, the things that cause you to respond will change. You respond based on your soul. I know you say, oh, but I'm super saint. I know you super saint. But watch this. You respond based on your soul. That's the reason why when you come home from work and you've had a bad day at work, you will yell at the people in your house, even though the people in your house didn't do nothing to you. You're like, wait a minute, we ain't got no cat or dog or something you can take this out on? Why are you taking this out on me? The reality of it is, is that people respond based on their soul. 
So if I respond based on my soul, and I don't want to be controlled by the negative actions of my soul, I got to find something that can adjust my soul. Faith will adjust your soul. Faith will cause you to behave differently. Faith will cause you to speak differently. Faith will cause you to believe differently. The Bible says to him that believeth, all things are all things are possible if you can believe. Now, it's, it's important because when we were reading those scriptures, we kept using the word justified. Somebody say justified. Here's what justified means. Justified means to show, to have sufficient legal reason to qualify oneself. Watch this. To be justified means someone has sufficient legal reason to show themselves to qualify as a surety, S-U-R-E-T-Y, as a surety by taking an oath of ownership. This is so important. Don't miss this. The Bible says that you and I have been justified. To be justified means that someone has to have the legal right to come in and say, I own this and I have a surety or I have a bond or I have money or I have something of value to prove it belongs to me. Here's what Jesus did. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? We were all born into, as a result of being born into sin, you and I had a sentence of Jesus comes, he presents himself, and he says to Satan, I have legal right to possess ownership of every one of them. And the devil says, what is my payment? He says, the payment for their sins is my blood. And so once he gives up his blood, you and I are now justified. It, it, it's, it's like when you go to jail and somebody pays a bond for you. They are guaranteed, that money is guaranteed that at some point you're going to come back and do the right thing. Jesus gave his life to guarantee, to give you and I the opportunity to do the right thing. He, that, that's what he did. He, his blood was the surety bond for us. It was the thing that justified us. And then watch what he does. Once he justifies us, he didn't even make us stand trial. Because in a normal criminal proceeding, if you get arrested, somebody places a bond for you. When they place the bond for you, you get out, but you ain't free. You just outweighing trial. But watch this. He didn't even put us on trial. What Jesus did is Jesus says, I'm going to go and stand trial for them. And then what happens is the sentence came back guilty, and he didn't even look at us. He said, I'll take the punishment. So Jesus takes the punishment. Now, how many know there's a thing called double jeopardy? And so what happens is Jesus takes all of the sin that you would ever do. All the sin of the whole world. He takes every accusation, every charge from the beginning of mankind to the end of mankind, and he declares himself guilty of it all. That makes you what we now call as righteous. Now watch this. That's important. Because now that you've been declared righteous, you can't be charged for the same crime again. God, I wish I had some folks in here. 
Because what happens is, is that now that you've been declared righteous, you no longer have to stand trial for the things that you did. Or I set you free. You no longer have to stand trial for the things you might do. You don't have to stand trial for the things that you are doing. Because God says you have been declared what? Righteous. I've made you in right standing. What does it mean to be in right standing? To be in right standing means you have the legal right to declare your freedom. Faith gives you the legal right to declare your freedom. Your faith in God, your faith in the fact that, that, that this whole thing we base Christianity on, that we base Christianity on the fact that Jesus died for our sins, the fact that we base everything on that, our faith in that says that as a result of that, we are free. We are free. That means we're not guilty anymore. Someone says, well, what, what, well, how can that be possible? Okay, let me show you. I want you to go to Romans real quick, Romans chapter 8. Say, I am righteous. Oh, you didn't say that like you meant it. Say it again. Say, I am righteous. That means you are in right standing. That means that, but you're like, yeah, but pastor, I still cuss. He knew that before. Your cussing didn't catch God off guard. He ain't like, oh. He know what you say. He know what you do. You ain't catching him off guard. Yet he said before the foundation of the world, he went and paid the price for you, even though you weren't even born yet. That's a good God. Here's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8. Say it again. Say, I am righteous. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. It says, therefore, there is now no what? Condemnation. To them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. I'm free. So, so when I pray to God, I don't pray and ask God something and then think about everything I'm not doing right. I'm not praying and saying, Lord, I, I need you to heal my daughter. And, and then I said, oh, but I, I didn't pray enough. And oh, I didn't fast enough. And oh, I didn't give enough. And oh, I didn't do this. No, I didn't do that. I am free from condemnation. And the reason this is important is because if you don't get free from condemnation, your faith won't work. Your faith won't work. You can come to church and you can hear about faith, but your faith won't work. We say this all the time in our church, all the time. Just because you come to a church who teaches about faith doesn't make you a person of faith. Any more than standing in your garage would make you a car. Just because you stand in the garage don't mean you're a car. You know, you don't get a Hemi and a V8 just because you walk into your garage. No, you're still the same person you are. So you can come here and you can hear us talk about faith, but if you don't get over this condemnation issue, your faith won't work. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you must learn to stop being so sin conscious. Oh, that messed folk up. No, folk want to go to church where somebody can preach them about their sin and make them feel bad so they can cry and they can feel like they're going to get it right and then they're going to leave and do the same thing all over again. How about just saying, you know what, I'm free from sin. And because I'm free from it, I ain't going to get entangled with it again. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says don't, get, don't, don't, don't be free from sin. It would be like this. And I ain't trying to be crass, but it'd be like this. If we know we are free from slavery, why would anybody go back and say, Master, please put me back in slavery? Nobody would do that. So the Bible says, if I get you out of sin, why would you go back and ask sin to entangle you again? 
So I don't have to preach to you about sin every time I get up here. I preach to you about your righteousness. I preach to you about what Christ did for you. I preach to you about how God set you free. I preach to you about how God wants better for you. But you got to get out of that stinking thinking, always thinking about the fact that you ain't good enough. You ain't never going to be good enough. You ain't never going to be right enough. You ain't never going to be perfect enough. You're going to miss it. You're going to blow it a lot. And if you think that you got to qualify for it, you will never qualify for it. It is Jesus. In fact, watch this. The Bible tells us like this. You are not righteous because of what you have done, but you are righteous because of what Christ did. That's why you're righteous. That's why, that, that's, that's why it hurts us so bad when, 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 when people are so quick to judge other people because you're judging people based on the acts. God is never but judging us based on our acts. Oh, but what do you mean? What do you mean God's not judging us based on? If God was judging us based on our acts, none of us would be here today. Watch this. You ever seen that commercial where they had that little red button? It's called an easy button. Can you imagine if he had a hell button? <laughs> if God had a hell button, every time you mess up, he just put it send you to hell. None of us would be here. So the fact of the matter is he knew what, he knew what we were capable of. It's why he sent his son to die for us. It's why he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Why? So we didn't have to pay the price. So that you and I get to stand here now boldly and declare something into existence because we are in right standing with God. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Say me and God. Me and God. We, cool. we cool. Yeah. We in good standing. We in good standing. We in good standing. And so because we in good standing, I can ask for what I need. Now, then there are rules. Tell your neighbor, say there are rules. You can't be asking for another man's wife. You can't be in faith for something that don't belong to you. You can't be in faith for something that don't belong to you. You have to know what the will of God is for your life, and then you can ask God for whatever it is that belongs to you. You can't ask God for mine. Amen? You can't, and Chris said a hus either. Amen? And Kev did the doozy. You can't ask for his either. You can't ask for something that doesn't belong to you. But watch this, healing belongs to you. Financial freedom belongs to you. A happy marriage belongs to you. Healthy kids belong to you. Having a promotion in your job, if you want one, belongs to you. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? The Bible says promotion comes not from the north, south, east, or west, but promotion comes from the, so it must belong to me. So I expect to get promoted on my job. I expect to get promoted. I don't know about you. I expect every six to nine months, I need to be being promoted. That's my promotion goal. They laugh at me, but why? If the Lord says it belongs to me, then I can declare it. It's just a person who decides whether you get promoted anyway. It ain't some super secret Illuminati system that decides what's not. <laughs> you get promoted? It's a man. And the Bible says that your faith has the ability to tap into the creative power of God and change what's going on in the natural realm. So if my boss is thinking about promoting somebody else, I ain't got to talk to him. I can talk to God. And when I get to talking to God and I get to making my faith confessions, I get to praying and believing and receiving, he'll, he'll be talking to me about giving me a promotion. I don't even know why I promoted you strict. I know you don't. I know you don't. And we don't even have to have a conversation about it because my faith is always working. Yeah, man, you got to get, and see, I get stirred up when I start talking about my faith because your faith will produce things for you that you could never make happen on your own. My God, today, let me go on, let me go on. 
Mm-hmm. As Christians, praise God, we are now a people of faith. When you, we get born again, we become a people of faith, which means that God wants us to move in the realm of faith it, it, rather than in a, in a realm of doubt and unbelief. How many of you know it's, it, it, it's so much easier for people to be uh, pessimistic than it is to be optimistic? But how many of you know it takes the same amount of energy? It takes the same amount, it takes the same amount of energy to believe that when you're going to go to Walmart, you're going to get a parking space up close, as it does to say, oh, I ain't going to get one when I get there. In fact, you know what pessimism does? It breeds resentment. Have you ever, now watch this, watch this, I'm going to teach you something. Have you ever had a project or um, an assignment or something that was due like two weeks away, but the time you found out about the assignment, you ain't going to do it? And so you wait a week, and a week, and now you're a week close, and you still don't want to do it. You know what you've been doing? You've been dreading that whole seven days. And now you got another seven days to dread it. And the night before it's due, you get in there, and you finally do it, and you're working on it, you get it done, and you get the presentation done, you're like, you just wasted 13 days. Why? Because pessimism causes dread. Faith doesn't cause dread. So when you begin to operate in faith, if you had got the assignment, even if it was an assignment you didn't want to do, even if it was an assignment you didn't know how to do. My wife will tell you this. There have been many, many times, because I do believe in getting promoted. Sometimes you can get promoted faster than what your abilities may take you, amen? And that's all right, because I got God. God knows, even if I get a job that's way above what I know how to do, God can always download wisdom in how to get the job done. So I've gotten jobs where I was like, man, I ain't never did nothing like this in my life. My wife, I'm sitting at home, and they're telling me to do some new cost analysis for, for some region, and I'm like, I don't know where to start. I, I, put, I close my computer. I say, Lord, if you don't help me, this whole thing going to fail. Did, did, I, did I not? This whole thing going to fail. I say, now, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take me about a 60-minute nap. And during my time, I need you to talk to me and tell me how to get this done. I lay down. Why? Because what am I doing? I'm throwing my care onto him. Now, see, I ain't talking about sleeping eight hours. Some of y'all are like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. No, no, no. Because now you ain't going to have enough time to get your stuff done. I ain't talking about that. I ain't like, you, ain't, you done undressed, put your night clothes on, wrapped your head up. No, 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 no. I ain't talking about that. I ain't talking about that. I'm saying you get to a nice, still place <laughs> so you can hear God talk to you. So there's been times that God would literally, in my short little, short little nap time, God would say to me, here's how I need you to do it. I would get up, I would start doing it. And as I'm doing it, I don't have all the answers, but as I'm doing it, he's downloading the information for me to get it done. For me to get it done. And the people would say to me, oh my God, how did you know how to do that? I didn't. But what I do know is that faith allows me to tap into a creative power that allows me to do something in the natural realm that I could never do on my own. And that's what faith does. And that's why faith is important. And that's why you got to learn to live by it. Amen? So let me give you these five practical steps that we're going to go. Five practical steps, five things you can do to exercise your faith every single day. Number one, you can begin by developing a picture of what God has in store for you. Number one, you can start by developing a picture of what God has in store for you. You ought to be imagining what it is that God wants to do in your life. You ought to be imagining. Pastor Sean and I are in the process of imagining right now. This new house, we've been looking, and, and, and nothing looks like what it is we want. 
And sometimes God will put something on the inside of you, and it doesn't exist in the natural. It doesn't exist in the natural. And so God wants you to build it, or God wants you to birth it, or God wants you to start it. And so we've got this house that we know exactly what it's supposed to look like, and we're looking, and finally God like, y'all can keep looking. But that idea came from me. Nobody else has built it yet because they're waiting on you to build it. And so now we're like, okay, we got to start imagining. So now we got to start imagining. And watch this, because imagination will take you wherever you want to go. So now we got to imagine that we're imagining the neighborhood, right? So, so we we kind of we kind we kind of know, and, and we'll draw and, and, and watch this. Take your neighbor and say, faith, faith must have action. So we ain't just sitting at home imagining neighborhoods. We driving through neighborhoods. We're driving through places. Why? Because we want to get a mental image of what it is that we're looking for. Because sometimes you will have something on the inside of you, and then when you see it in the nap, you're like, oh, that's it. So we're looking for the land right now. And after we find that, then we look, and then at the same time, we're, we're imagining what the inside is going to look like. We're looking for a builder. We're like, okay, there's a million builders, right? But you got to find the right one for you. Because you don't just pick up the phone and call a builder. Because you don't know that builder. So we're like, okay, God. Who do you want to build this house? And if they're not in Northwest Arkansas, here's what we believe in for. You're going to send them here. You're going to strategically. See, y'all like, that seems like manipulation. It's not manipulation. We're saying to God, here's what you showed us. Here's what we want to do. If we don't have the resources here to do it, you bring them. That's what faith does. And so we're praying for the builder. We're praying for material costs. You know, I'm looking at the gas price. I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing, guys. You're getting that, you're getting that diesel down. All right. So when I have to bring them materials, the cost going to be less. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, you got to be strategic about your life. Faith does that for you. And so we're getting a mental picture of what it is that we want. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 1, we already read it earlier, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. you got to begin to get a faith picture. Tell your neighbor, say, you need a faith picture. Listen, if, uh, uh, if we, we've, in, in, we've laid hands on people before who, who, who they couldn't have a baby and they wanted a baby. They, they were praying for a baby. And we would tell them, the first thing you ought to do is don't wait till you get pregnant to start getting your nursery ready. Go ahead and get your nursery ready right now because it's an act of your faith. Faith without works is, man, we lay hands on them. We have a baby. Two years later, they have another one. 16 months, they have another one. They say, hey, can you stop praying for us? Because we got that baby anointing, you understand, with five of them. <laughs> but, but what? If you get proficient in something, your faith will work, amen? And so, and so, and so it, once you get built up and you believe the impossible, things happen. So number one, you need a faith picture. Number two, you got to confess your faith to others. That is something you can do every single day, especially if you're married. If you're married, you got five. Don't tell me you don't have time to talk to your spouse about your life. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm hard on people when they say that. You got time to text, to be on Facebook, to be on Twitter, to look at stupid stuff on Vine. You got five minutes to talk to your spouse about what you want your life to be. And if you don't, shame on you for putting those other things above your own life. And, and, and people will get mad at me, but I'm going to say this. Don't tell me that you're tired. You're not tapped out. You ain't tapped out. You, people say, oh, I get so, I'm so tired when I get home. No, you're not. You, you're really not. People say, well, you don't know me. Yeah, you're not. 
<laughs> you're, you're not. <laughs> and Ralph laughing because I keep seeing that. I say all that. You are not that tired. You are not so tired that you can't open your mouth and say something. No one's asking you to exercise while you're talking. You can open your mouth and say something. You don't tell me you're too tired to talk to your spouse. What you have decided to do is that it's not important enough because you do whatever. Y'all preaching up in here every time, every time. Every time. Beyonce come to Dallas, you make, your, you make your hotel arrangements, you spend your money, you buy the tickets, you drive to Dallas. Why? Because Beyonce is important. Y'all better, I'm listen, you better hope Prince don't come on a Sunday. Hey, we changing. We're going to have late service or something. Hey, if Prince come to Northwest, I'm going to see Prince. Why did I say? People make time for whatever is important. Amen? So you got to spend time confessing to one another. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, but since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. That means that if I believe something, I ought to be saying what I believe. So we're talking to each other about the house. We're talking to each other about where we want to live. She was driving around yesterday. She said, say, I saw another neighborhood I want you to go look at. Okay? That I, I ain't too tired to go look at a neighborhood about our life. Amen? So you do what's important. And so the thing of it is, is you got to be confessing that. you got to be saying something. You want to get a new job. You want to get promoted. You want to live in a new area. Not, listen, Northwest Arkansas is a great place. But if you want to live somewhere else, you got to start making your confession about where you want to live. And you begin to do that with the person who, you, who, 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 is, who has the, everybody don't have the ability to handle your dream. So you got to be careful with who you share it with. But you ought to have somebody in your life you can share your dream with. You got to have some confidence, somebody in your life who believes God with you so that you can convince, so that you can confess what it is you're believing God for. Amen? The Bible says in Romans 10 and 8, it says the word is nigh you even in your mouth. The word of God is, your dream is right in front of you because your dream is in your mouth. Your dream is in your mouth. I remember when I was telling Pastor Sean, I said, you know what? I want a job. I was working in Muskogee, Oklahoma. I was dry, I lived in Springdale. I got up every morning at 5 o'clock. I was at work by 7 o'clock. I did it for two straight years. I did it because it was important for me to do it so that my daughter could stay at Rogers High School. I didn't want to move to Muskogee and move her doing her doing her her sophomore, junior year. I wanted her to do her junior and senior year where she was so that she could get her dream. Now, people used to say, oh, my God, I can't believe you drive two hours to work one day and two hours back. I know mean, you can do anything for a little while. You can do anything for a little while. Why? Because what's ever important to you, you can do it. And, it wasn't, and I wasn't getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning talking about, oh, here I go, driving to work again. You, if you're going to do it, do it with the right attitude. Amen? If you're going to do it, do it with the right attitude. Just don't do it at all. Because there is no faith in doing something and mumbling about it the whole time. Amen? We tell people, look, at some point, at some point in our life together, we will fast together. We will fast. People are like, people, no, 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 not this. Not running fast. We will fast, not eat. Okay? And we, and we may do, a, a, there, there, there's so many different kinds, but our church cooks at some time, we, we get together and we declare a fast. We always tell people, if you're going to be, if you're going to not brush your teeth and not comb your hair and, and look all bad because we fast, you don't participate in the fast. 
You just eat. Eat whatever you want, as often as you want, as much as you want. Because what we don't want you doing is walk around looking sad while we fast. Because how I many you know there's no reward in that? There's just no reward in it, okay? And so the Bible says that your breakthrough is right there in your mouth. And so you got to say, you know what? Whatever the Lord's asking me to do, I can do it for a little while. I, I, I can do this thing in order to make my life what it's supposed to be. Amen? Number three. We said, we said number two, number, number two was you, you got to confess one. Number three, you need, to be, you need to learn to use the Bible for your biblical solutions. Use the, or use the Bible as biblical solutions. Many people don't realize, but the Bible answers a lot of your daily questions. It really does. The Bible answers a lot of your daily questions. You got conflict between you and somebody else on your job. The Bible talks about how to handle that. It really does. It talks about how to deal with it. And one of the things, and I read the Bible all the way through a couple of times, I never saw where it said, go off on it. Now, I may have missed it. I may have missed it. It may have been in some other version. But I never saw where the Bible says, go off on it. Don't, don't, I saw where it says, walk in love. I saw where it says, forgive. <laughs> but, but I never saw that part about go off on it. Okay? So if you're going off on them, that might not be in faith. All right? That's not the right thing to be doing. The Bible says that there are solutions for our lives that can be found in the Word of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Write that down. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, once you've done that, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So when you have a life problem, don't just try to solve it based on your limited information. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The of your mind. So think about it. If your mama went off on people when things went bad and it didn't work good for her, it probably ain't going to work good for you. So you got to find a new solution. And sometimes finding a new solution may mean not only do I read my Bible, but I read a book about dealing with conflict. We learned how to talk to each other, but it wasn't just because of reading the Bible. Man, you go downstairs to my basement right now, we got so many communication books down there. You thought, man, did they get their degree in communication? It felt like it. Because we did not know how to talk to one another. And so we got luck. She said it was me. Okay. <laughs> All right. But we didn't, I didn't know how to talk. She didn't know how to listen. How's that? <laughs> and when you got somebody who don't know how to talk, somebody don't know how to listen, it's gonna be problems. Amen. Amen. Is that good? <laughs> she's gonna give me back. Say next time she preaches, she's gonna give me back. This all good. And so you have to learn that sometimes you need to go and get you some information. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a believer. There's nothing wrong with loving the Lord. But if you get to the place where you think that, 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 that if you just read your Bible, that God can't direct you to some other resource, you're missing God. God is, is, is an infinite God. He has many ways to get information to you. This is always my foundation. But when the Lord said, you know what? You don't know how to communicate with people. I had to go get a book about learning how to communicate. Because to me, communication was I said it, you do it. But how many of you know that communication? <laughs> number four. Well, we'll write this one down. This goes with number three. Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. I won't read it, but you just read when you get home. It's about trusting the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. Number four, you got to put your, these are practical things you can do every day. You can put your faith into action. 
I already told you about our Walmart, okay? When you leave here today, okay, here's how you can put your faith into action. You can believe that when you leave here today, okay, that the Lord is going to put somebody in your path that you can be a blessing to. You said, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you were talking about me getting something. I know that's what you were thinking. You can say, Lord, before today is over, I believe you're going to put somebody in my path who I can be a blessing to. And you watch. Before the day over, it'll happen. It'll increase your faith. You'll get to see God work. Okay? And then tomorrow you can do your Walmart program. Okay? We can believe you're going to get a parking space tomorrow. But today, I want you to believe that you are going to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen? And then lastly, number five, you've got to expect change to occur. Every day you've got to expect change to be happening in your life. You've got to expect change to happen. Don't let your mouth put you in situations you were never designed to be in. Don't say, don't, don't say things like, uh, it, 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 and I'll, I'll give you a prime example, and then I'll close on this. The other day, Pastor Sean called me. I was in Little Rock work. She said, Strick, and I know something, because you should call me Eddie. She said, Strick? I said, yeah. She said, uh, I think your refrigerator is going out. Now, now, you know when it's your refrigerator, that, that means you got to replace it. She said, she said, I think your refrigerator is going out. I said, what makes you think that? She said, well, you know the side where the freezer is? I said, mm-hmm. she said it, ain't, it ain't, I know that stuff broke. <laughs> I said, yeah, that probably means it's going out then. I said, okay. And so she said, well, we got to get a new refrigerator. I said, all right, well, we got to go price one, find out what's going to cost. And she said, okay. And I said, well, send me pictures of it, you know. And don't buy it until you. And she said, I know, I know. Don't buy it until you see it. Okay. So she sent me pictures of it, and I looked at it, and I go, okay. I noticed she didn't send me a price. I said, uh, you sent me a picture, but I can't buy a picture. I need to know what it costs. So she sent me a thing, and, and, before, and, be, and because I had already had a plan for what I was going to do with that look, because see, when you plan your money out, and some come and ask for it, you don't be real happy. And so I slipped, and I said, man, I said, if it ain't one thing, it's another. She said, don't say that. And immediately I thought, you know what, you're right. And I said, Lord, Lord, forgive me. I, I repent. Because if you say if it ain't one thing, it's another, guess what it's going to be? Always going to be one thing or another. And I had to catch myself. Why? Because if you're not careful, you will allow your mouth to create situations for you that you were never intended to be in. And so my faith has to be rooted in what God said. And God never said, if it ain't one thing, it's another. What God says is you will always have all sufficiency to do everything I command you to do. So if my family needs a refrigerator, God knows they need a refrigerator, God's going to provide, and God's going to make a way. And that has to be your lifestyle, amen? And when you do that, you will find yourself walking in faith, and you can do it every single day, amen? All right, give the Lord some praise. I'm done. Pastor Sean's going to come. Don't forget about those, those five faith expectations I gave you on last week. It's so important for you to understand that. You can judge yourself whether you're in faith over the next several weeks if, we, if you're not meeting. Amen.